Thank you, Cass. We really appreciate uh, your beautiful thoughts and your prayer there. We're going to take some time today to be able to unpack a passage from Luke chapter 24, verses 1 to 12. So hopefully you've got your Bible with you. If not, I encourage you to jump up and go and grab that. Uh, we want to encourage you, we're going to not put the words up on the screen, um, but we want to encourage you to have that in front of you and to be able to underline and to be able to engage with it uh, as we read this through together. You might be using your Bible app on your phone. That's totally fine as well. You can underline things and make notes there as well. You can also access our Bible uh, up in this tab over here. So where the chat section is, if you click on the tab that says Bible, uh, you can open up a Bible there as well. And so you can then scroll through and uh, get to Luke chapter 24, verses 1 to 12, which is what we're going to have a bit of a look at this morning. We're continuing to unpack this theme of courageous hope. It's something that we looked at last Sunday, that we looked at uh, on Good Friday as well, and what it means for us to embrace hope that leads to courageous action. And so over the last couple of messages, we've taken some time to dig into Jesus' journey around that. And so if you haven't had a chance to listen to those, again, you can go to the tab that says Previous Messages, and uh, that will take you to a link where you can have a listen to those. You can subscribe to our podcast and access them that way as well. But today what we want to look at is a couple of other people who showed a similar level of courageous action to be able to move forward in the events that happened after Easter, and particularly after Good Friday and Easter Saturday, but that all of those courageous actions were also grounded in their sense of hope as well. And so as we begin, I want to encourage you to take a little bit of time to imagine what yesterday must have been like. It's actually really hard for us to do because we know how things ended up playing out and we know that Jesus ends up being alive, but imagine what it must have been like for the disciples and the people who were close to Jesus. That on Friday you have seen Jesus hung on a cross, you have seen him die, you have seen him breathe his last. You've seen him taken down from the cross and you've seen him or at least heard of him being laid in the tomb and a stone being rolled across to seal that over. Yesterday was a Sabbath and so that means that no one could do any work including preparing Jesus' body. And so imagine what it must have been like to sit through the hours that unfolded yesterday, the emptiness, the sense of sadness about Jesus' death, the loss of all hope, the question of where on earth do we go from here? We put all of our trust in Jesus and now he's gone. What does all of this mean? It's really important for us to be able to tune into that as we read these verses so that we don't miss just how astounding it is, the events that unfolded. So again, Luke chapter 24, starting at verse 1. Very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. So what do you think that the women were hoping for as they approached the tomb at the beginning of this morning? Put yourself in their shoes and imagine what would you have been thinking about? What would your expectations have been? You probably would have been expecting that when you got to the tomb, there would have been some Roman soldiers who were guarding the tomb because you know that that's a part of what had happened yesterday. You're expecting that you were going to ask permission to be able to go into the tomb, that they would have had to go and get some help and roll the stone out of the way so that you could go in. You have your spices that you've prepared, that you're taking in, that you're expecting to put on and around Jesus' body. 
to prepare him for permanent burial. You're expecting that this is your last chance to be able to say goodbye to Jesus. But verse 2, as they approached, they found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. And so they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. Imagine the thoughts that are starting to go through your mind now as you approach the tomb and you see that the stone's been rolled away and that there isn't anyone guarding it. What would you have been thinking? What are the different scenarios that would play out in your mind? Most people would agree that probably the first thoughts that came were that the body had been stolen. That either this was something that the Romans had done, you've seen how horrifically they've treated Jesus over the last couple of days, and so maybe this is another way that they're just mocking and hurting you and hurting Jesus through all of this. You know that the religious leaders had a significant part to play in the arrest of Jesus, the trial of Jesus, and so maybe this is a part of them now stealing the body so that they could do something with it or so that they could hide it away. You wonder where on earth it could have gone, but you assume that someone has done this. Verse 4, as they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and that he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered that Jesus had said this. So how much of their hopes suddenly started to shift as all of this has unfolded? You go there with this massive sense of sadness, this massive sense of frustration about the fact that Jesus' body is there, an overwhelming sense of grief again that now you can't even bury Jesus properly. You wonder what on earth is going on. There's a sense of confusion that's there. And suddenly you're confronted with a couple of guys who are wearing these beautiful dazzling robes. What on earth is happening here? And they say, do you remember what Jesus told you? So you start to think. And suddenly little words, little phrases, little memories start to kick in. And probably more that time goes on, you're remembering more and more. Jesus did actually talk about this. Jesus did talk about the fact that he had to die, but that on the other side of that, he was going to rise again. At the time, you didn't really understand it, because as if that could happen, like that seems crazy. Now all of a sudden, all of these memories are kicking in about what Jesus has told you, that these very things were going to unfold. And in verse 5, we've got something very profound that the men ask the women. Why are you looking for the dead amongst when Jesus is alive? And it's a good question for us to wrestle with, that sometimes we take some time to look for dead things when in actual fact we should be confronted by the reality that something is very much alive in front of us. Especially when we are struggling, when we're feeling sad, when we're feeling frustrated, sometimes we can fall back onto old habits, onto old ways of thinking, fall back onto wanting things to be the way that they were. And we find it really hard to flip our minds and to be able to allow ourselves to see things through a different lens, to be able to see things in a different way. 
We've talked about that a bit over the last couple of weeks, that our worlds have been tipped upside down in, in lots and lots of ways. And it's really tempting, and I'm sure a lot of us are feeling this desire to just be able to hold on to old things. But some of those things aren't there, or some of those things aren't available to us. But are we willing to go on the journey to be able to see the new life that is bursting around us? The things that are possible, the things that are potential that could happen around us. And so I want to give you just a moment to be able to reflect on that question. In what ways can we sometimes be tempted to look for the dead amongst things that are actually very much alive? Just turn to the people that are with you and see if there's anything that comes to mind. And if you're watching this by yourself, take a moment to jot something down in the chat and uh, engage with the other people who are also watching this alone. But take a moment to share together. In verse 9, we then read that they rushed back, the women rushed back from the tomb to tell Jesus' 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men, and so they didn't believe it. It's good for us to recognize that women in Jesus' day were people who were seen as untrustworthy, mainly because of their lack of education that a woman could not be brought into a courtroom as a witness because their testimony wasn't something that could be held on to. And so imagine the amount of courage that it takes for the women, knowing what they've just experienced and knowing how crazy that sounds, to then run back to the disciples and to say, this is what we've just seen. You have to think that as they're going back or even before they started out, they're thinking to themselves as if those guys are going to believe us. Like there's no way that they would believe us normally, let alone when it's something that's as radical as what this is. And this is very much reflected in the initial response that they get from the disciples. The story sounded like nonsense to them and so they didn't believe it. It's a good reminder that sometimes we need to move forward with courageous action to be able to stand up for the things that we've seen and that we have experienced, especially when those things seem like they're a bit radical or when those things go against the grain. It takes a lot of courage for us to stand up and to say, this is what I have seen. This is what I believe has happened. But fortunately, not everyone ignores the women or thinks that they're crazy. In verse 12, we read that Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered in and saw the empty linen wrappings. And then he went home again, wondering what had happened. Here we see Peter demonstrating some pretty significant courageous action himself, being willing to believe the women, going to see for himself, putting hopes that maybe things aren't the way that they seem like they were going to be. And remember, this is the Peter who just a couple of nights ago turned his back on Jesus. It would have been so easy for Peter to just pull back, to disengage. He would have known how the other people probably would have felt about him. And so it would have been easy for him to just walk away from all of it. And yet he chooses 
to stick with the disciples. He chooses to stay with them, to move forward with them. And he chooses to be the one who runs to the tomb for himself to be able to say, maybe there is hope after all. Maybe there is something that's on the other side of this. Maybe there is something that goes beyond the darkness of these last couple of days. And so as we wrap up our Easter season and take some time to continue to reflect on this theme of hope, it's good for us to ask ourselves, what are the hopes that are spoken into our lives and into our circumstances based on what we've been through in the last few days? We've talked a lot about the reality that we're in a pretty hard place, that there are lots of people who've lost their jobs or had their work cut back, that are struggling financially. There are lots of people who are sick around us. We know that there are people who have lost loved ones and all of that is really hard. There are people who are in isolation, who are on their own and struggling with that in a significant way. There are people who have very significant mental health challenges that are in front of them right now and are probably only going to get worse. In some ways, it can feel a little bit like we're trapped in Easter Saturday. We can feel a little bit like we're stuck, that there is just darkness that's surrounding us. But in the midst of what we're going through, can we take the time to be able to stop and to reflect and say, what is it that Jesus has told us? What are those words? What are those phrases? What are those experiences that we've had where we can say, like the women, oh yeah, I remember now what Jesus told me about this situation. I remember the comfort that Jesus has told me to take me into what I'm dealing with right now. I remember the words of hope that he has spoken that can take me into this situation that I'm dealing with. As we've touched on, where are those moments where Jesus is very much alive? Where are those moments where we might be looking amongst the dead when in actual fact Jesus is very much alive? Are we pursuing him? Are we following him? Are we tapping into what he's doing? And as we think about that, how are our hopes being reignited? Far from being stuck in Easter Saturday, we are people who are on the other side of Easter Sunday. And so how are our hopes reinvigorated? How are our hopes taken to a new level because of the things that we've seen and the things that we've experienced? And so to wrap up our message today, I'd love you to take a bit of time to just reflect on a question about what it looks like for us to allow the resurrection of Jesus and the courage that we see in the women and in the experience of Peter. How does that speak into the situations that we're dealing with right now and in particular into the courageous actions that are needed for us this week? I want to phrase the question this way. In what ways does the resurrection of Jesus and the courage of those in the Easter story inspire me to courageous action this week. I'm going to give you some time in a moment to be able to talk about that together, but perhaps it's about speaking of our joy, speaking of our hope, being bold and courageous to be able to share the experiences that we've had and that we do believe in something that goes beyond what's happening right now. Maybe it's courageous action for us to be people of inspiration and encouragement, people who can come alongside of those who are really struggling and to bring a sense of hope, to bring a sense of joy, 
to bring a sense of perspective, to say one day this will end and we'll be on the other side of it. Maybe we can be people of courageous action who ask those around us to be able to process through some of the things that we've been processing through over these last couple of weeks. What does it look like for us to form new habits during this time, to recalibrate things in our lives, to use this as a bit of a reset, to see this as an opportunity for us to grow, to see this as an opportunity to go back to basics and some of the things that we might have forgotten, as an opportunity to be able to make changes in our lives that are not just for the short term, but go well beyond however long this lasts. To be people who are reaching out and caring for and supporting one another and the people around us. So I want to give you a couple of minutes to be able to talk about what that looks like. In what ways does the resurrection story impact the courageous actions that we can pursue as we head into this week? Once again, turn to the people around you, have a bit of a conversation about it. If you're by yourself, put some thoughts into the chat so that we can engage with each other there. We've talked over the last week or so about the reality that the hope that we have is not just wishful thinking. Our hope is a concrete belief and trust in what we have seen that is grounded in the events that we have followed through this weekend. Good Friday and today, Easter Sunday. And when we allow ourselves to get swept up in that sense of concrete hope, it inevitably leads us to pursue courageous action. And so my prayer and my hope for us as we head into the rest of this weekend is that we can be people who are courageous, that we can be people who are filled with hope, filled with joy, filled with a sense of peace and filled with a sense of excitement about what it looks like for us to continue to follow the risen Jesus who is with us in all of the circumstances that we go through, the difficult times where he understands what that looks like and the times where we can celebrate that Jesus is the one who ultimately is the risen King and who we pledge our lives to. Let's pray. God, we thank you that our story is wrapped up in the Easter story. That while all of us experience dark times, you are always with us. You're always at work and you will always bring us out the other side. We thank you for the courage that we have seen throughout the Easter narratives and beyond. The courage that we see lived out through you, Jesus. The courage of the women, the courage of Peter, the courage of the disciples. We know that without their courageous actions, we wouldn't be here to be able to celebrate Easter today. And so we're grateful for the legacy of their courage that lives on even today. We pray that you would infuse all of us with a deep sense of joy and hope, that even though at times we feel like we may be stuck in Easter Saturday, the dawn will eventually come. And we ask that you would show us the courageous actions that we can pursue in the days and weeks ahead as we continue to live and serve as your resurrection people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.